Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 186. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, Richard Ryerson here. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Hey, keep those emails coming. I love hearing from you. Thanks for all the support, all the fans out there. If you got a question about leadership, if you're having a leadership challenge, let me hear about it. I love to answer your questions. I might even answer it on the air if it's a pertinent one I think the whole audience can can benefit from. But let me hear from you. I love uh, the support that you're giving to me. And if, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show on iTunes. Leave a rating and review. It does so much for the support and the visibility. That's all I ask for you to listen to this great free content. And again, thank you for your support. Hey, I want to introduce my brand new partners to the show, 99designs. And when I was starting out on this entrepreneur path, I stressed about the graphic design element, the web design elements. You know, I want to encourage you to go check out 99designs because working with an individual graphic designer can be good, but it has its limitations. You know, Timing is one thing. If you want dozens of designs to choose from in just seven days, well, I encourage you to visit 99designs.com slash leadership and get a $99 power pack of services absolutely free. Go check them out. All right, super excited today to have on my show Jarek Robbins. He was born in Santa Monica, California. He's a decorated performance coach and lifestyle entrepreneur who has applied his innovative methods to living life, living a life of adventure, philanthropy. I'm sorry, I'll start that over. To living a life of adventure, philanthropy, and entrepreneurship. At the age of 23, Robbins was awarded the Congressional Award Gold Medal from the United States Congress. He has a psychology degree from the University of San Diego. Jarek, I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast. Thank you for having me on. It's good to be here. Well, you know, it's early morning here and uh, Thursday morning, and uh, I just got off the call with a coaching client. I'm feeling motivated to talk to you, to have a source of inspiration. So I read a little bit about your bio there, Jarek, but bring us a little more up to speed. What makes you tick? What are you all about? Um, I'm, I'm a pretty simple guy. You know, I, I've had some incredible privilege of growing up in an, in the personal development area that helped build a really, really solid foundation that I, I built my life on top of. And I, I was blessed to be in that position where I grew up going to seminars and hearing all this cool, positive, awesome, insightful strategies and life tips and insights and all this jazz. And I, I really wasn't into it as a kid, but I grew, I grew fond of it as I found it worked. Um, I remember being in high school and finally being like, you know, all these other people seem so freaking excited about this stuff. I'm going to see if it works. And I put a couple CDs in and started listening to personal development tapes from my dad. And within a few months, all of a sudden, I was like, wow, you know, I'm getting straight A's now. I'm losing weight. I feel good. It's healthy. Like, holy smokes, it does work. And whatever, I just kept listening. And I started listening to everybody from Brian Tracy to Zig Ziglar to anyone I can get my hands on. 
And anything that worked, I kept doing. Right. And anything that didn't work for me, I tossed aside. Um, and I, I grew up in San Diego, California, it, you know, born in Santa Monica, grew up in San Diego. And it's a beautiful, beautiful lifestyle. And I assumed growing up, like, that's how the rest of the world was. Um, in, in college, I had an amazing opportunity called Semester at Sea. We did 110 days in 100, no, 110 days, 10 countries. And we literally started in Vancouver, went through Asia, and circumnavigated the globe on a ship. And in stopping through those countries, um, I, I got to understand firsthand and really see how the rest of the world lives. Yeah. And I'm sure there's probably many people listening to this who have no clue, and there's many people listening to this who have honest firsthand experiences. And regardless of what side you're on, I'll, I'll just give you a reminder. Most people live in, you know, mud huts, tin houses. <laughs> uh, they don't have running water. They don't have electricity. They don't have toilets, or they have a squatter in some parts of the world, you know, a little hole in the ground. And, and it really woke my heart and soul up. Yeah. And when I came back, I, I remember just being bent on trying to convince every person I knew to quit what they were doing, you know, quit school, quit their job, quit what they're doing, and immediately come with me and let's go focus on, you know, Eastern Africa and help all these people who are really struggling because there's no food there or there's no water there. And it was such an interesting epiphany because my thought of leadership at the time was, you know, how do I convince people to do what I think is the right thing for the greater good of humanity? Right. Why can't people see things my way, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like I'm fighting for, you know, myself. No. I'm fighting a, for a cause. Yeah, it's good intentions, right? You, you know, you're not trying to take over country. You're trying to, yeah, you're right. Your passion, you want people to see things how you see it. Yeah, I get it. And it, and it, it I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but you go out there and you're trying to convince people and you're pushing them and forcing <laughs> right. them and you're you're trying to be you know, a uh, low-level leader, which is, and the only reason I say low-level is it's very unconscious, and I, I only term consciousness as how much you care. Yeah. Meaning you think you care because you're doing it for something that's a good cause in the world, but you really don't care much about the people you're trying to lead because you have no care in the world of what's important to them. Yeah, great distinction, and yeah. So what had happened was, you know, I was a very low-level consciousness leader at that point because I didn't care about the people I was trying to lead. I just cared about this one cause that I thought was important, so my priorities. And I was pushing, 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 and eventually uh, I, I became that friend. And I don't know if you've ever had the experience yourself, but that friend that no one quite wants to hang out with anymore. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, hey, where is everybody? Like, no one's answering my, my emails. No one's answering my phone calls. Like, why don't you guys want to go to lunch anymore? Oh, what yeah. happened? And it was funny because I had one friend finally tell me, he's like, dude, you know, I know you're excited about Africa, and I know you really want to help, but, you know, I have a family. I've got kids to take care of. I've got my life. I've, I've got to pay my bills. i got to have my job. You know, this stuff is important to me. And I remember sitting there and being confused and being so frustrated because I knew if they just wouldn't help more and gave more to the world, then they'd feel so fulfilled and alive. Yeah. And it was very confusing in that moment. Um, and I finally started to wake up and I, and I realized something. And my realization was to become, you know, a higher conscious leader, someone who's more conscious, not just about what I want in the world, but what other people want. I had to start listening and paying very close attention to what the people I was trying to lead what they wanted in life, what was important to them, what their values, what their vision was, what their goals were. And 
in that distinction, when I started to care about them, I realized not only their goals weren't my goals, but there was a, a click that happened where my realization was if I can help them get to their goals faster, then they'd be willing to help. Yeah. And I, I remember hearing a quote by Jim Carrey that just kind of crossed my mind. And it, he said, you know, I wish everyone become, could become rich and famous so they realize it ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> and my idea became, instead, I reverse engineered this thought of leadership. Instead of going out there and trying to force everyone to do something that I know would make them feel fulfilled, give them meaning in their life, you know, make them feel alive, make them feel driven, excited, and passionate about life, my, my purpose became, I, I reverse engineered it and said, wow. What if I raised my level of consciousness as a leader, meaning I just decided to care more about every person, regardless on which side they were on in the conversation, and I said, you know what? If their goal is to make money, have a house, and have a, you know, financial freedom for their family, why don't I just help them speed up that process so once they get there, then they'll want to share it. Then they'll want to pay it forward. Then they'll want to help me volunteer in Africa. Then they'll want to help you know, other people speed up their process and do the same. And all of a sudden, this new philosophy of leadership came about in my own head, which was, how do I help people achieve rapid results in their life and business yeah. so that they can be free from thinking they have to get these things done or they'll never have the life they want? They can have the life they want. Then how do I inspire them at that point to start paying it forward and helping me help the world? Yeah, brilliant way to, I mean, what a great insight. You know, and I think a lot of times leaders, we do go through that, especially when we're young and we're, we're, we're so full of energy and passion. And, and what a great example and a great story. I mean, you're right. If you travel outside these states and you see how the other world lives and you're just amazed at how, for, a couple things, how blessed we are and how fortunate we are and that we shouldn't take this for granted. And we need to help other people see that, that same way. But you're absolutely right. You cannot influence somebody by hitting them overhead with a wiffle ball bat, right? You gotta somehow, you gotta, and, and what you, you, the point you're really hitting on that is just so spot on is like, you gotta, the best way you can become influential is you gotta add value to other people's lives. And that's exactly what you're talking about. And by yeah. adding value to other people's lives, then you're right. And then it all starts to, to, to change. Oh, what a great insight. I mean, it's just, yeah. uh, it's so funny. The additional piece to that is not only the adding value, but adding, you know, a couple types of value. Number one, the value they want. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. And, you know, people only buy, people only invest their life or their time or their energy into something they want. And as leaders, we try to give someone what they need, but they don't buy what they need. And when I say buy, I don't mean financially. I mean, they don't invest in what they need. Yeah. <laughs> Most people invest in what they want. want yeah. You know, when people go buy a car or invest financially in a car, they, they don't buy the car they need. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. You buy the car you want. You're yeah. like, oh, look at that one. It's fast and fancy and loud and whatever else goes on the list for you. Um, rarely you're like, oh, look, it has four wheels and an engine. It'll get me there in like a half hour. Perfect. <laughs> right. That's the one I need. <laughs> um, so you got to remember, as a leader, people buy into and invest into what they want. So first, you got to be willing to give someone what they want. Then... Once you have their attention, once they're invested emotionally, once they're invested with their time and effort and energy, maybe financially, once they're really invested, then you give them what they need. Because many times as leaders, you can see someone, and from the outside perspective, you can see what they really need, but it's not what they're chasing. So you've got to first help them get what they want, then help them get what they need. And if you want to blow someone's mind 
as far as really being a leader in their life or really being someone who's of influence in their life, it's then figuring out what do they need that they don't even know they need. Yeah, great point. And when, Absolutely right, yeah. When you can dig underneath that and really find that piece of like, wow, like, you know, this person emotionally needs to understand that they're A-OK and they're, they're a whole person. They don't need any more. This person really needs to understand that they're loved as a human being or this person really needs to understand that, you know, life will be OK. You just got to have fun. Yeah. You know, th this whole idea of the, this kind of positive um, self movement. you know, and they say, you, you know, you are the, the, the summation of the, the five people you hang around and, and all these things are surrounding yourself. How, how you said it kind of clicked for you and you, you kind of brought up in that environment and it really didn't resonate with you. But then you started reading it. How talk to me about how powerful it is about surrounding yourself with like minded individuals, about finding those people that you really want to be around. What What, what is your philosophy on that? Absolutely. It's a game changer. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you, you know, a, a rewind history real quick, and then I'll give you a current situation, and then I'll give you an insight that might rock, you know, rock, just rock your world, because it did for me, at least. <laughs> Little conscious thought, but hey, it helped me. Um, in the beginning, I mean, when I was a kid growing up, as much as I hung around personal development seminars and read books and listened to tapes and all this stuff, like my hero of all heroes at the time, and don't laugh at me, but I laugh at myself now, um, it was, I was growing up right at the time when MTV music videos were the hippest, coolest thing ever. Right. And so I, I used to watch those things every day before school. And I remember at the time, Hypnotize, the music video by Biggie Smalls. Oh, was right. like the coolest <laughs> music video at the time. <laughs> awesome, yeah. And so my vision of what I needed to grow up to be in junior high school was Biggie Smalls. Right like, on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I obviously needed a Hummer and a Mercedes that drives backwards, possibly a yacht, a bunch of pretty women, and, you know, mansions or something. And I, I really didn't understand what was going on in the video, that they were, like, stealing and heisting and probably drugs and whatever else was involved. I didn't understand that part of it. Right. I just understand it was cool. Right, right. <laughs> and so probably, you know, low-level goals, some, just thinking about how cool it would be to be that awesome in life according to the music video. And I remember having an epiphany and looking around and, and, and really just thinking, like, if that's what I wanted to be, I don't know, you know, having a bunch of guys with machine guns around me at all times sounded cool, <laughs> except for the secondary thought clicked in. That means there's probably someone going to be shooting at me. And right. I'm like, well, that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I kept thinking this through logically until I hit a point where I looked around, I'm like, you know, this isn't probably the best idea. I should get a new goal. And I started looking around for a goal, and I didn't know what it was. And at the time, I was five foot nine, 225 pounds, going into high school. I was a big kid, and I didn't know it. Um, I ran a mile in about 18 minutes flat, which is not fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I, you know, I was not like a passionate, determined young human being. I was someone who was kind of a wuss. Meaning, I remember going on family vacation, snowboarding, and, you know, I would fall down twice and be like, I'm done, call ski patrol. Right. And my dad and I would get the biggest fights because he's like, no son of mine is going to sit here and cry like a baby, right. like, come on, stand right. up. I'm like, hey, my ankle hurts, give me ski patrol. Like, it, it was bad. <laughs> and I remember hitting a point where I started playing sports just to talk about peer group. And part of playing football in high school was every morning at 6 a.m. you had to be present for weights. And all of a sudden, as I started lifting weights, my body started changing. 
and I physically started to feel better, and I started to feel more awake, and then all of a sudden my grades got better, you know, since I was up every morning, focused, determined, getting stuff done, I went from like a BC student to a straight A student, I was like, wow, this is cool, and then all of a sudden as my body kept, you know, forming itself to weights, all of a sudden I got attention from girls, and they were like, hey, look at you, and I'm like, wow, this is cool. And, and it's one thing after the next thing after the next thing started stacking. And what I didn't realize was all those little tiny transformations started happening because of the group I was spending my time with. Like, literally, I, I was surrounded by a bunch of athletes. And this isn't the key to life. You don't have to go hang out with freaking people at the gym or athletes. Right. <laughs> but for me, it was a big transition. It was a transition between sitting at home watching MTV music videos, thinking and dreaming about how cool life would be if I was a rapper to all of a sudden physically going out and doing something to physically make progress in my life and getting the confidence and feeling the difference in my real day-to-day life and seeing results start to show up and now being proud of what I was doing instead of just what I was thinking about. Right. And that distinction for so many people is there's lots and lots and lots of people who tell themselves stories. Like... You know, if I really wanted to be a millionaire, I'd just go be a stockbroker. And, you know, I don't find a lot of meaning in that, but I just make millions. You know, that's how I would do it. And they tell themselves a story which sounds good in their head, but in reality is completely just a hallucination. And it's a way to make themselves feel good because they don't currently have the results they want. They're not currently the person they want to be. They're not currently achieving or doing the things they want to do. Therefore, they tell themselves this positive story of the future and how someday if they did that, then they would just have everything they ever wanted. And for me, I used to tell myself that story. You know, one day I'll be big and small. That's fine. I'll have millions of dollars, lots of girls, lots of houses, cars, boats, the whole spiel. And, but the confidence was completely lacking within because it was a hollow dream. It was something that I had no plan for. I had no daily rituals or habits building towards that whatsoever, luckily, <laughs> at that point. Right. Um, I had, there was nothing really truly happening in my life, physically, mentally, or emotionally, moving me towards that dream or vision. So this big distinction clicked of being around a group of people who were actually taking action towards their dreams, even if they were not even close to getting the results they really wanted. Because here's what's crazy. You know, you get high school football team, you hang around these kids, most of them want to play college ball, and most of them want to play pro. Now, the likelihood that the majority of those kids are going to make it that far is very, very, very small. But here's the difference. They're miles ahead of me sitting in my room staring at a TV dreaming about being a rapper. Why? Because they're doing something every day to move closer to their vision. That's right. Taking action. Yep. Exactly. So it's one of those things that when when people finally hit that understanding of like, wow, I'd rather spend time with people who are out there taking action, even if they're failing miserably. That's okay. They're still taking action every day to go towards their vision, to go towards their dream, to build who they want to be, versus a group of people sitting around talking about how cool they can be someday in the future, doing nothing towards it. I would much rather be around people who are failing miserably but taking action every day because that momentum will eventually catch up to them. All those actions will eventually lead to something. One of my favorite quotes is, and we're right about this point in our business, is you know, it takes anywhere between 5, 10, 15 years to become that overnight success everyone talks about. Right. Yeah. And what most people don't realize is it 
if you fall in love with that journey and you have fun with those five, 10 or 15 years, or nowadays even one year, sometimes people get lucky and excited. But if you really fall in love with the process of just building who you are as a person, building your team, building your business, building your foundation, building your family, and the goal and the vision and the dream becomes how do I build this? And that's what's exciting to me is every day to see a little bit of progress. All of a sudden you feel fulfilled, you feel alive, and, and you really, you get, it's exciting to watch how life unfolds at that point. Instead of, the, the flip side of that thought is the someday syndrome. You know, someday when I finally get to this big thing in the future, then everything's going to be the way I dream. Yeah, yeah, someday isn't on my watch. I, didn't, I don't know about yours, but it's not on my watch anymore. I look and look, but someday isn't there. You know, something, you said so many great points, and I think just to, to summarize a little bit there, the the everything you're talking about is about intentionality, right? I mean, that's kind of been a word and a theme that comes up. You have to be intentional about doing something, you know, fixing what's on the inside, overcoming that fear and uncertainty. And, and I think how many of us don't even really sit there and spend even 30 seconds in a day and really ask ourselves who we are and where we're going. I mean, just the simply doing that and asking yourself, I think we're on, seems like we're on autopilot all the time. You look around and everybody's just kind of waiting for something to happen, right? I mean, how do we get to that point to where we're being intentional about those daily habits? It can seem so overwhelming. I'm either afraid or I'm scared to get started. How do we get started? Um, the simplest way to do it is make a decision. And it, it sounds easier than it is for most people, but it is easy at the same time. Um, you you got to think back to how decisions shaped history. Yeah, uh, it, It's something I actually just wrote about it in my new book that's coming out. Um, in September, it, it, I wrote a whole chapter on decisions, and decisions literally shape history, and they're very small decisions made just at the right time. And I gave a handful of examples. You know, um, Rosa Parks made a decision. Yeah. On that day in Alabama, she said, no, I'm not going to move. <laughs> yep. And that one decision literally changed history for millions and millions of people in the United States. Um, Nelson Mandela. He made a decision that says, yes, you know, I will stand up for what I believe in. And he stood up for what he believed in, and he went to prison for 25 years because of it. But eventually he came out, and he found a way to work together with the other side. And all of a sudden, he changed history in South Africa. Uh, Gandhi, you know, I, I will find a way to stand up for what I believe in and to work together. And he changed history in that part of the world. Um, and every single day, what we don't realize is every decision we make is changing the history of our own lives. You know, when you have the opportunity to either sit down, watch TV, blitz out, and, you know, do nothing, or to pick up that book and read a couple pages, that one decision in that moment will change your life. It doesn't feel like it right now, but that one decision stacked up day after day after day after day after day will lead you to an entirely different destination, an entirely different destiny of your life. And so that thought of really, truly making the right decision consistently now, some people are, are, might listen, or I remember I hear, heard this a long time ago, and it's like, well, shoot, how do you get good at making decisions? <laughs> and here's the truth. Make more of them. Right. The more decisions you make, the better you get at making decisions. And, you know, my dad interviewed, um, I think it was General Coffey, or the, one of the generals in, in the Army a long time ago, and he was asking him, and he goes, you know, you're in charge of so many people's lives and so many situations. He's like, when you have... You know, when you have everyone's life and all these people on the line, like, and you have to make a decision, it's like right now, instantly, you've got to decide. He goes, how do you know what the right decision is? And he laughed, and he looked at him straight in the face, and he says, you know, I don't. But here's what I do know. 
if I don't make a decision immediately, we're all going to be in trouble. Yep. If I make a decision and it's wrong, I would rather make it right now and find out as quickly as possible because then I can make the opposite decision as fast as humanly possible and get us to where we need to be. So that's the key. I make decisions on as much as I need. I take in as much information as I can, and I make an immediate decision, and I follow it through. And that key with your life is you got to get used to making solid decisions and really following through. And every day, like what time you get out of bed is a decision. Right. <laughs> what you do when you get out of bed is a decision. <laughs> you know, what you choose to focus on, what you choose to listen to, what you choose to read, where you choose to go throughout your day. Now, some people might be like, no, it's not. I got to go to work and I don't have the choice. You know, what you flood your mind with and what you think about all day is your choice while you're at work. That's right. What pictures you have around you. If you have a little mini vision board on your iPad or phone or computer desktop, if you have you know, your goals out in front of you, if you choose to read those goals once a day, all these little tiny things add up. And if you consistently find a way to make the right decisions for you that lead you to the life you want to have, that help you build your ideal life vision and turn that vision into reality, at that point, you're going to be on track to make progress. Yep. And making the and making decisions with partial information is probably one of the biggest, I think is one of the biggest game changers anybody can do right now today if they decide you know because deciding not to dis- take a decision is a decision you know deciding not to do anything is a decision but if you just like you said if you can get yourself and get comfortable with making decisions with partial information you're going to set yourself apart from the mediocre right away i mean that is one thing everybody listening to this show can do and i love that how you brought that yep. up and the fact that it's here's, a journey here's what's crazy if you don't make a decision life will make a decision for you that's right the simple, simplest example is if there's two flights taking off you know there's one at 10 o'clock and one at two o'clock and you stand there and you're like well i don't know which one to take uh i don't know i don't know pretty soon 10 o'clock come and goes and it's like well now you have no choice two o'clock it is that's right <laughs> that's right well, I think it's because everybody's so afraid of making mistakes or embarrassing themselves. And for me, it was been liberating ever since the point that I said to myself, you know what, I'm just not afraid of being wrong anymore and adopted that. Then things really started to change because being being a leader isn't about being right all the time. It's about not being afraid of being wrong. This is kind of a different way to look at it. What do you think about that? Yep. Absolutely. That's huge. The other part is that I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback on that is um, the fact that so many people make decisions based on an old map of who they think they need to be. And what I mean is they're making good decisions, but they're, the, the map they're using of which way to and which road to take is just an outdated map. And I don't know if you've ever traveled through the country and, you know, a place where they've redone the roads recently and, and the map you have doesn't quite match the landscape. Yes. <laughs> it's quite frustrating. Right. <laughs> or back in the day, if you ever tried using MapQuest. Yes. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> It's like, take a right. You're like, there's nothing there. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it's a brick wall, dude. Like, there's no right turn here. And if you've ever had that frustration, which I know I have, and it was silly, and I used to argue with the stupid computer thing. Um, but if you've ever had that situation happen, a lot of people use that in their daily life, meaning they have an outdated mental map of what life is supposed to look like. And where many of these people picked up that map is from a family member a friend, someone they wanted love or praise or adoration or attention from, a teacher, somebody in their life. They picked up this map of who they think they need to be and how they think they're supposed to live their life. Yes. And what happened is they created this blueprint in their own mind that says, okay, these things are supposed to happen, and that makes my life a good life. And they try to go do those things, but that plan, 
plan is from the 1960s or 50s or 40s, even 30s for some people. And it's like, wow, that plan just doesn't work nowadays. You know, go get a job and stay there for 45 years, get the gold watch, graduate, and now have a retirement for life. That doesn't exist nowadays for the most part. Right. So it's like, wow, that's just an old blueprint. And it, all it means is, hey, there's there's new roads, there's new de- there's new destinations, there's new things that exist in today's topography and the map of the land that you got to learn how these new ways work. And the tricky part is, this goes for younger people today. It also goes for the older generation of people today, because there's a lot of people who have been working their 20, 30, 40 years at that same job, and they're getting ready to retire. But their mental blueprint is still something of, hey, I retire, I get my pension, and I stay on for life, and, and they take care of me until I'm done. And that doesn't exist a lot of times for them even anymore. So not only the young people need to update their blueprint, but the older people need to update their blueprint as well. Those baby boomer generations who are getting ready to exit the workplace for the most part and move on to the next stage of life. And as this transition is happening, one of the biggest things you can do to update your blueprint is really go through and first appreciate and acknowledge and figure out where did this blueprint come from? You know, where did my mental map of how life is supposed to be come from? And the easiest and quickest way to figure it out for most people is to ask the question, you know, who did I want love from the most when I was growing up as a kid? Mm, great question, yeah. You know, who did I want love, attention, affection, appreciation, positive reinforcement, all kinds of words for it, but who did you want it from the most growing up as a kid? Uh, the next question would be is once you identify who you wanted it from, the next question is who did you think you needed to be in order to receive that love, appreciation, attention, affection, acknowledgement? You know, what kind of person did you think you needed to be? Smart person, hardworking, intelligent, um, strong, silly, goofy, funny, tall. <laughs> I don't know. What's on your list? Um, as you keep going, who did you think you could never be? What kind of person did you think you could never be? Because if you were this kind of person, you thought they would take away their love, attention, affection, or any of that stuff. If you thought they would take it away if you were this kind of person. For some people, it's like sloppy, mean, lazy, not funny, whatever it is. Oh, man, that's, the next question, those the are next great question questions, be, yeah. Who do you, you know, who are you today? How would you describe yourself? And this is some deep stuff for some people because for a lot of people, I remember I asked my mom this question when I got to this this question. I asked, who, do you, who are you today? How do you describe yourself? She started crying. Wow. And I go, horrible. I'm like, I'm not trying to make my mom cry. That's re- no, Mom, like, don't cry. It's fine. And she's like, no, no, it's okay. And I said, what, what are you crying about? And she goes, you know, I just realized for the last 47 years of my life, I've spent it trying to be the perfect daughter for my father to prove to him that I'm good enough. Wow. I went, wow, 47 years of using someone else's blueprint of how you're supposed to be in your life. That's fascinating. I said, you know, here's the last couple questions. If that's who you thought you needed to be for them, and that's the blueprint of what you thought they wanted you to be, and here's an insight. Just because you think it's the blueprint they wanted you to be doesn't always mean they actually thought this. A lot of times we make this stuff up in our own heads. Right, exactly. (laughs) It's really crazy. It's it's interesting, but it's interesting to think about and to break down. And the final piece would be, you know, if this is who you are today, what would you need to adjust in that map or blueprint to just really, truly be yourself? Authentically, the, the real, core, simple, funny, outrageous, crazy, whatever you want to term yourself, but what would you need to adjust in that map? And for some people, it's just, you know, I need to tone down the 
trying to be organized all the time. It's not really me. It's something I thought my dad or mom wanted me to be. Or, hey, you know what? I need to tone up being more outrageous and outspoken. You know, I was always trying to be this polite person because that's what I thought they wanted my grandma wanted me to be. But instead, I'm this outrageous, crazy person. I love being loud and funny and wild, but I always thought I'd upset somebody. It's like, wow, okay, be yourself. And you start, you know, what do you need more of? What do you need less of? What do you need to cross off the list altogether? And what do you need to completely add to the list? That's just, you've never done it before, but you just think it's you. And when you do that, all of a sudden you get the opportunity to really, truly be yourself and no longer follow a blueprint or a map or an, an outline to life based on someone else's plan. But now it's your plan. And now it's really for you. And from there, then build your future plan of who you want to be and where you want to go because now it's your plan, not the plan you think you need to achieve to make someone else happy in your life. Oh, that stuff's brilliant. That's just pure gold. All those questions. And you're right. You can, be, I can see how they can get you in an uncomfortable place, but it is what we have to do. It's the work we have to do, right? To really figure out the life that we're going to, that we want to lead, the life that we deserve. So those are great questions, Jared. I love that process. It's, yeah, it's a simple process used by a lot of therapists and psychology people. But it's one of those things that helps you dig down to the core. And if you're going to make a decision like we were talking about, Make a decision to be yourself. And that the crazy part is first you gotta remember who you really are. And that's a great simple way to get down to the core of who you are. And then from there, then make that decision and say, you know, I'm gonna be myself. I'm gonna define myself, use those questions, whittle me down to just me. And from there, now I'm gonna make a decision to say, hey, I'm gonna choose to live my authentic life and vision in the future and go do what I think is the right thing to do. And you would not imagine how many people I've worked with or, or met as far as clients and coaching situations where they worked for, you know, 10 years inside of, of one of the largest banks in the world. And they're at the very, very, very top of the bank. They make millions of dollars a year. And they find out that their blueprint was created because their dad always thought that would be a good path for them. It's like, wow, <laughs> that's tricky. <laughs> yeah. It's like the whole Dead Poet Society kind of plot line, right? With the guy, you know, the movie Dead Poet Society. I watched that, you know, they had yep. a Robin Williams deal, and it's kind of the same thing. And the kid that wanted to be an actor, that was what he was put on the planet to be, but his dad had wanted him to be a doctor. Yep. And it's that, it's that moment where you break free from this old interpretation of what you think someone else wants you to be, and you just go do what you feel you're really made to do. Now, the next decision is once you've decided to be yourself authentically and to go chase your vision and make it real, it's making a true, true, true commitment. Um, and this is something where one of my heroes is John Wooden, because in this day and age, I think the younger generation, you know, 50s, 40s, 30s, 20s, we grew up in a, in a world that we, we don't quite know what real commitment is. Right. Our, our commitment is six months at a job. Hey, that was a good commitment. And yeah. then we'll down to the next one. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, or, hey, I lasted a couple more years than last time in this relationship. And it's like, well, that was good. <laughs> and we, we don't know commitment. And John Wooden, the, um, I wrote about this, his story as well. And, and one of his things he talks about is, you know, he, he met his wife at 14 years old. She was the only woman he ever kissed. And he was with her for over 50 years. Wow. And he had one college basketball job. He lived in one city. He, he's just this man that was like so simple, yet so wise and so committed to everything he did in his life. It was ridiculous. Yeah, he was and amazing. 
seeing someone who has that level of commitment to everything he does and every person he works with. You know, you, you heard about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and uh, Bill Walton, like all these people who he coached through UCLA, and he was still committed to them, not just like, hey, I coached you, good job, move on. Like, he was friends with these people all the way through their entire lifetime. They, they were all at his funeral. They were all there, you know, in the last days of his life because he was committed to working with them all the way through their life. It was beautiful. Yeah. And so the, the second step is once you've made a solid decision, you got to make a true, true, true commitment. And a commitment that says, listen, this is who I am. This is what my ideal vision for my life is. And I'm going to commit to this no matter what. I don't care if it gets tough. I don't care if it's easy. I don't care if it's fun. I don't care if it's hard. If this is what I feel I'm put on this plan to do, I'm going to commit to following this through no matter what. And once you make that kind of commitment, the, the final step, obviously, is you got to take crazy amounts of action and go for it. Um, but in that thought process, it's making the commitment that no matter how tough it gets, no matter how crazy it gets, no matter how the ups or downs feel, you're really, truly going to choose to follow through and find a way to make it work. And when you're that committed, you will get creative and you will find a way. And if it does get tough, who cares? You'll push through. And there's so many beautiful stories, some of which have been turned into like Hollywood movies, whether, you know, um, I forgot it, Mr. Gardner, his story of the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Oh, he was so committed to having that great life for his family. And he felt that was his vision. And he ended up becoming homeless through it and, and losing all his money and losing all his stuff and being, you know, sleeping in a subway bathroom with his child and all this crazy stuff. But he was so freaking committed. He finally found a way to make it work. And then he went out and crushed it in life. Yeah. And he had a way to make that vision reality. And most people don't have anywhere near that level of commitment to their vision. They have this great, beautiful, incredible vision. And their commitment is like, well, I'll give it a shot on Thursday and see what happens. Right. And it does, they, they get one little setback and then they stop. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, you know, it didn't work. It didn't work. I gave it a shot one time like six years ago and it didn't work for me. So I'm just going to, you know, I, I guess this is what's available in my life. So I'll just do that. I think tenacity is, is one of those things that you just, you have to adopt. If you're going to want to live the life that you want, you have to be tenacious because it's, uh, you can't quit. You can never, never, never quit. Absolutely. It's a key. And if you're willing to do what it takes and you're willing to make a solid decision about who you want to be, you're willing to make sure your plan is built on the right foundation of being really being your plan and not someone else's, you're willing to be committed to that plan no matter what, you're willing to take all the action necessary, eventually it's going to stack up to the life and the dream and the vision you really want. And that's the fun part is when you can get to a place, and this was my whole goal and one of my big core concepts is helping people get to the place um, where once they realize it's like, hey, as long as I'm willing to work for it, and as long as I stay in this place mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, literally anything on this planet is possible. It's just going to take time, effort, and consistency. Yeah, and it may not, and the beautiful thing is too, is it may not um, be exactly like it ended up. It'll take you to places you never even dreamed of, and that's that's why, as you stated earlier, that it is about a journey. I mean, it's a never-ending process that never never quits. You never plant a flag and say, I have arrived, and then you stop. It just kind of, it's a process and a mindset that goes on forever and ever. Absolutely. Now, when you fall in love with that process, when you fall in love with progress, it, it's amazing the freedom that comes. I, I remember seeing a study when people talk about happiness, and the study was done where um, they followed two different groups of people. One group of people 
they ask the question, you know, what's the worst thing that could physically happen to you in your life? And some, you know, the answer around the country was becoming a quadriplegic, having to lose the ability to move your arms and legs and body. And so this study went and found a bunch of people who had just recently, through a car accident, through all kinds of random situations, become a quadriplegic. And they followed them for a year and rated their happiness consistently throughout the year, just testing it to see where their happiness levels were. Then they asked people, what's the best thing that could happen to you? And everyone was like, win the super mega hundred something million dollar lotto. That'd be the best thing that could happen to me. And so they went and followed, you know, a group of people who had all won the mega lotto for hundreds of millions of dollars and, and rated their happiness throughout the year and see what happens. And what they found was, the happiness level of the people who become a quadriplegic consistently increased over the year. And the happiness level, the contentment of life, the happiness level of the people who want all the money consistently fell and went down all throughout that same year. Wow. And what, they, what it boiled down to is when they followed them, the expectations of what someone thought life owed them when they won all the money, went up. Because it's like, hey, I've got all this money now. I'm a multi-multi-hundred person, you know, hundred-something millionaire. Like, you've got to respect me. You've got to treat me differently. You've got to do this for me. you got to do... They had the, all these demands and all this expectation of what they thought life owed them now. And they were pissed when it didn't turn out that way. Yeah. Yet, these people who became quadriplegics, their expectations just completely dropped through the floor. They, lo they lost their expectations for life. They're like, wow, you know, I'm stuck. I can never move. I'm lucky I'm alive. All of a sudden, their expectation was like, you know, I hope I can move my finger one day. And all of a sudden, one day when their finger started, like, barely wiggling or moving, they were like, oh, my God, it's amazing. How cool. Right. <laughs> Look, my finger moves again. This is incredible. <laughs> and it's really fascinating because what happened was, and this is the formula that they figured out, is, when you're willing to lower your expectations of what you think life owes you, but raise your standards of what you think you're here to give to life, all of a sudden you find immense joy and happiness in your life. Yeah. And as, you know, talking about leadership, lowering your expectations of what you think anyone or anything around you owes you. Because, you know, the gift of being alive is more than enough. Yep. And when you when that finally clicks, it's like, hey, if I'm alive, that's the greatest gift I could have. Life owes me nothing. That's right. It's my responsibility to now take my life and pour the greatest gifts I believe I have back into life all day long. And when I can pour as much of who I am back into life every day, it'll allow me to really have fulfillment because I'll know in some small way, shape, or form what I think is valuable, what gifts I think I have, I'm pouring into the world and they're going to help in some way, shape, or form. Oh, I love that. It's absolutely brilliant. Well, gosh, you know, this time is just going way too fast. You've got a brand new book coming out September 30th called Live It, Achieve Success by Living with Purpose. Any uh, kind of quick uh, highlights about what the book's about? Everything we talked about here today. Awesome. Um I'll give you the simple recap. Chapter one starts out with helping people design their absolute ideal vision for their day-to-day -day life. And what I mean by that is how do you design a day that's so rich, so fulfilling, so abundant that there's nothing on earth you would trade for it? Meaning that simplistic day-to-day -day life, if someone came to you and said, hey, I'll write you a check for 500 million bucks, but here's the rules. You got to go to a place you don't like. You got to do something you hate with people you can't stand. 
and you got to do it for 15 years. And at the end of that 15 years, I'll give you $500 million cash. And you look at them, you're like, wow, that's a really nice offer. 500 million bucks, huh? And you look at your day-to-day life, you know, the places you'd go, the people you'd be with, how you feel, what you want to learn, what you want to share, where you want to go, everything. Just a simple day-to-day life. And you look at that check and you look at your life and go, honestly, no thank you. And here's why. Because if I were to die in five years into that 15-year journey and be miserable with my life, it would not be worth any of it. Therefore, I would rather live my simplistic or it could be crazy complex, but for most people, I would rather live this simple day-to-day life because it's so rich, so fulfilling, so abundant in emotion and meaning that I would trade nothing on earth for it. And so that's chapter one. How do you do, how do you design that vision for your life? Chapter, you know, two through 11 is how do you turn that vision into reality? And it was one of the greatest things that ever happened in my life was figuring out how to turn my ideal life day vision into reality. And once you're able to turn that ideal day vision into reality and have that day to day life, chapter 12 is how do you expand it into your next five, 10 and 20 year vision for your life? That way, if you know you have certainty that, hey, I can turn this one day into reality, now I'm going to create a vision for my entire life and turn that into reality. I love it. Look forward for it to coming out. Guys, last kind of question as we wrap up here. It's kind of a fun question. If you had had an ideal dinner date, you had a a whole evening planned with with your, your heroes and people, you could only invite five people to dinner. It could be anybody, dead or alive. Who would they be? This isn't very hard for me. Um, I'd invite my grandparents, um, one of which has passed away, two of which are still alive. I'd invite them. I'd invite my fiance. Um, how many is that? Three, four, and probably my dad. Wow. Keeping it close. I'm a, yeah, I'm a family person. I, I, I believe that I have all kinds of people I've always wanted to meet. I've been blessed to meet a lot of them in the world. And, you know, some of my favorite people I've run cross paths with is like The Rock. I just thought he was so cool because he's such a big dude. Um, Michael Jordan was definitely an awesome highlight, just someone that I looked up to growing up because I love basketball. But if if you were to ask me if I got to spend time with anyone on this planet, who would it be? It would be my family. Love it. Great answer, Jarek. Guys, thank you for coming on the show and taking time. Give me a quick uh, plug. How can people find you, get in touch with you? I'll have links to all this in the post, but uh, give a shout on how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, awesome. Um, if they go to jarekrobbins.com, it's J-A-I-R-E-K-R-O-B-B-I-N-S.com. Um, we have all kinds of free gifts. We have a video blog we do once a week, all kinds of free stuff all over that website. If you just take time to poke through and read about it and learn about it, um, our new book we have a website that's not up just yet, but it will be in the next couple weeks or months here. So by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be up. Uh, but if you go to liveitbook.com, which is L-I-V-E-I-T-book.com, um, we're having a website that it, it's about our book, obviously, and it's sharing how to purchase it and how to read it and get all of my best life lessons that I've shared in that book. But uh, the other part that's going to be on that website as soon as it pops up is we're asking people to share the greatest lesson they've ever learned in their life how they currently live that lesson in their own life and, and how they plan on or how they currently pay it forward and help others. And it's our philosophy of learn it, live it, give it. Um, and we're asking people to help us populate that website by sharing the greatest life lessons you've ever learned, how you're applying it in your life, and how you pay it forward. 
And that way we can create a database and community online of just tons of tons of tons of simple, insightful life knowledge that anyone can have access to for free online any day of the week. All right, man. I'll have links to all this. What a blessing to have you on the show. So much, so many uh, chock full or great lessons in life and leadership. And uh, I feel blessed to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. All right. We'll talk again. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.